Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 podcast, recording this on the 29th of January 2023, running this as the Monday show part two of our SEC Big 12 challenge review. The Big 12 wins seven to three. We've got the big guns to recap. We've got a Texas-Tennessee game. We've got a big Kansas victory. Kansas State gets a big win as well. Baylor holds on against Arkansas. That and a whole lot more coming up on this edition of Locked On Big 12. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Please do. Trying to get to 3,200 here by the end of the month, so we're very, very close. Please help us get there. Subscribing, it means a lot to us. Follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys, once again, find the show at LOBig12. And you guys can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Once again, please subscribe. Part one of our recap, the early games, Iowa State, Oklahoma's win over Alabama, West Virginia's win as well. All of that is in part one of our show. The first four games of the day were there. We'll do the remaining six here. So two parts because there was just so much to get to. I don't want to do it in one show. Everybody deserves some shine, especially the teams that got the job done. And some of them that didn't deserve some, some attention to Texas will get to. But the big game of the day was the nightcap. That was Kansas going on the road to, uh, to Rupp Arena and beating a Kentucky team that had been playing much better as of late. And they go there, they win the game. And I, I thought it was not like super convincing fashion, right? But, you know, they were able, or they, they were ahead for most of the game. Every single time they did the big shot, they seem to have got one. A lot of them came from one Jalen Wilson, but they end up getting the victory 77 to 68. They get to 17 and four overall. And more importantly, they avoid Bill Self's four, first four-game losing streak as the head coach of the Kansas basketball Jayhawks. Uh, what do you want to say about this game? I Look, this line opened at KU minus one and a half, and people jumped all over Kentucky. I think it closed at like three. I think I saw it last at two and a half at the FanDuel Sportsbook, a partner here at Locked On. Saw them uh, and saw that, and I was like, okay, uh, you know, that's interesting. I'm going to bet that. And then I, I I bet a lot on, on KU, to be honest, just because they've never lost four in a row. And also, guys, when they play their last game, they played Monday. So they had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all to, to rest, to recoup, to prepare. And they did an excellent job. Obviously, the big star of this game is Jalen Wilson, right? 22 points, eight rebounds, two steals, two assists. Um, I don't think he'll win national player of the year. I believe Zach Eady is on that trajectory right now, but I'll tell you what, I, I still like Kansas's odds to win the big 12. I've said that a bunch on this show and oftentimes the best player on the best team might get the award unless there's just somebody who is so insurmountable that they, they get the nod. Jalen Wilson is the best player on who I think will end up being the best team in this league. He's averaging 21 points per game, eight and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. He's shooting 43% from the field, which is, you know, it's not like this tremendous, amazing number, but on the year, uh, 43 from the field, 
35 from three and 78 from the line. And they were, they really do rely on him a whole lot. And I mentioned this too, his numbers are even better on the road. And he had another great night, 50% shooting from the floor last night, two at three from three, two at two from the line as well. The eight rebound tonight. He's just a player that, you know, it's, it felt like every single corner throw. I think he had a, hit a big three from each corner, right? He had one in the, uh, I guess you could say near wing to the camera left side. And then the, the far wing, the far corner, if it's, Looking at your television screen, you had one at the bottom left of your TV screen, one at the top left of your TV screen. Two massive shots. I think one of them put the lead at four, and then one put it at around six, I want to say. Could be wrong on that, but that's just a guy that uh, teams might just need to start considering doubling him because nobody can cover this guy single. And he, he does a really good job, I think, sometimes of he'll pause sometimes when he catches the basketball and does a great job of saying, you know, and not rushing him. And sometimes when guys get the ball, the perimeter, especially you might think if you pass fake or you think, or you shot fake, I don't want you taking that three. Cause you've already thought about it. Jalen does a great job. I think of collecting himself and then firing up a three. And he's been a really good, you know, a very effective three point shooting 35%. That amazing. He takes a good number of threes. And I think he actually shoots them pretty effectively. And it feels like every big three pointer he takes, he makes, I'd love to see his splits for the second half. I feel like he is a, uh, really effective second half player. I also want to say the job that KJ Adams did was awesome. He got the four fouls sure and did not rack up the rebounds, but it was eight for 10 from the floor, 17 points, uh, three assists, two steals, two rebounds. And I've said this a bunch that he did it again. His best attribute, because he is kind of their big guy, he's really good at finding spaces and defenses. If it's a pick and roll, He's very good at not going too deep into the post. So he's good at what I would just say being available to the guards. And then also when he's available in that space, the big has to come up and play him. And if he doesn't play him, he's actually got a pretty nice floater. He's got a pretty good game from 10, 11, 12 feet, kind of approaching the rim. And, and, and he will finish with both hands too. You, I've actually seen him finish with both hands. We've, we've seen it a good deal from that distance. So I thought that was huge. Uh, and we'll talk about their defense in a second, but Dewan Harris on defense, I thought was a really a huge piece of what happened for Kansas that went right. Also his offense, I know he didn't have this amazing offensive output, but he scored eight points, which is more than he scored in all of his last four games combined. Three for eight, two for four from three, right? So 50% from three, taking and making half your threes is good. And then uh, eight assists on the night. So the fact, and also only two turnovers, the fact that in 37 minutes of play, you know, he was a guy that was not searching for his jumper, but at, at the times where they gave him shots, he took more of them. All right. And he needs to at least be a threat. I thought the the guys on field of 68 after dark made a good point. They compared it to the Marcus, um, the Marcus Garrett kind of uh, approach that Kentucky took a few years ago. Make Marcus Garrett make shots because as much as Bill Self loved Marcus Garrett, he was not a, a particularly effective offensive player, right? And so I thought that Dewan Harris, he didn't have to be great. He just needs to be effective. Also, a double-double for Kevin McCuller. And here's the thing is, like, not all these guys have to play well, but they needed to kind of work on a night-in-night-out basis because of lack of depth. They got uh, six points off the bench tonight out of the 77 that they scored. Um that does not work for most teams, but it works for them. On the other side of things, the big key, two things. They, they made to the Kentucky work, I thought, for really good perimeter shots. I thought that was a huge key. 
And then Oscar Shibway did not get going until late in the game. He had 18 points. He had nine rebounds, four assists, a steal, three turnovers. And so as efficient of a night as he had, they did a really good job of kind of holding him down until late in the game. And, and Jay Billis, guys, if you all had the audio on in the broadcast, Jay Billis was clamoring, screaming, basically, metaphorically screaming, basically saying, tossing the ball, tossing the ball, tossing the ball. And look, he's such an effective player. Like, he's so good with that rip through over the top. You'll see it. There was one rip through last night where KJ had him to the inside, basically played him to the inside. Oscar had to go to his right hand. Jalen kind of came in from uh, the side to kind of make it tougher. Really good job from Shibway ripping the ball over the top and then finishing. He's so good. And he's also very good at using those shoulders and that form, that figure he's got. You know, he's a thick guy using that to seal people off. It's usually lights out. Like he's not just a bully down there. He actually has a lot of good touch around the rim. He's a very effective offensive player. It's not just putbacks all the time. The guy does have a good offensive game. That's why he was so efficient. He's a good free throw shooter as well, too. He was, uh, well, he was a good free throw shooter last night. Uh, on the year for Shibway, he is 68%, which actually is improving for him. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought they did a good job uh, defensively. You know, and look, part of it was Kentucky's irresponsibility not getting the basketball, but a part of it, I mean, defensively, two for 13 from three. The one thing people have been saying about Kentucky is that the shooting from distance had gotten better. Right. I think Reeves and Wallace, uh, Reeves, Wallace and Frederick are their shooters last night. Reeves, 30 minutes off the bench. Oh, for three. CJ Frederick, 29 minutes as a starter. Oh, for five. Case and Wallace did go two for three, but he's the only guy who hit a three last night for Kentucky. Two for 13 from three. So while they were 50 percent from the floor, they, uh, you know, they were they were four or 15 percent from three, 49 percent, excuse me, from the floor. So 20, 25 of 51. It's nearly 50% shooting, but every single time there is a charge from Kentucky, KU handled it perfectly. You could just tell those guys on the Jayhawks are built for moments like this. They're experienced. They're old. They've been through the wars. Uh, We should not be surprised. I was not surprised at all that Kansas on the road at Kentucky in a spot where Bill Self was in danger of losing four straight after four days of rest, the guys were in control. Um, once again, not control the entire way. It got dicey, but every single time it got dicey, they made some shots and that was huge for them. Grady Dick did not have a great night. They kind of had to get him back shooting. He's been a little bit different. Four for 11, one for five from three though. Four, four from the line. He's a very good uh, free throw shooter there. So they did not get crushed in the glass. In fact, they're plus five. That was an area you thought Kansas might struggle. That, that kind of happens sometimes in basketball. Per, tremendous performance, um, there. The other big performance I would say from the evening that I want to hit on um, was Tennessee's just in a general sense, because here's what I think guys, like I know Tennessee's not in the league. Tennessee beat what I think is becoming a very, very good Texas team. Um, I don't believe this is the last time that a big 12 team will run in to the Tennessee volunteers. If teams in this big 12 keep playing as well as I think they do, especially come tournament time and Tennessee plays as well as they look like they might play come tournament time. That is that's arguably the best basketball team in the country. Uh, you might say, hey, are you worried about where that last shot might come from the big basket? That's a fair, it's a fair criticism. It's a fair argument. But I think Rick Barnes would tell you that their strength is their depth. 82-71 win. Their defense has been phenomenal. Texas had to work for everything. 
in this game. On the perimeter, every shot was difficult. In the interior, every shot was difficult. It felt like they were in a tough, having a tough time getting angles and creating shots. I mean, they got crushed, absolutely crushed on the glass. 38 to 23, plus 15 were the Vols. And on a night where they shot the ball 56, 57% from the floor, 32 from three, and then 70% in the line, basically, score 82 points. Like, that was the kind of night they needed because they normally don't give up above 70. Texas got above 70, but it didn't matter. Tennessee's offense was too good. Zakai Ziegler was tremendous. Um, our guy, I never had to pronounce his, his last name, uh, Olivier, you know, uh, was it Nakama? Nakama uh, the kid from Finland. Uh, the Finnish kid had a really, really good Olivia. Just call him Olivier. Big Olivier had a great night for them. And look, I don't know if it's Josiah Jordan James or Zakai Ziegler of Escovy who's going to be the guy in the end of games. Um, you know, I know, I know Ziegler likes to come off the bench, but you know, he had 22 and 10 last night. Like that's a, that's a really, really good basketball player that they have. You know, the kid's just a sophomore. So I think they've got a bunch of good pieces. I think cause their defense is awesome. I think a lot of people in the big 12 might say, well, Rick Barnes, Come tournament time, I'll take my chances against that. Sure. And this is all to say, like, I'm not going to dock Texas at all for this performance. That is a very challenging place to go in and win. And they mounted a late rally, but Tennessee's defense to me was too good. Marcus Carr had a miserable night shooting. Timmy Allen really couldn't get himself going in this game because he had four fouls and only played 19 minutes. You know, Dylan Dissou was not that impressive in this game either. Uh, you know, and Brock Cunningham came in and he was fouling too. They, they had a tough time in the paint, it felt like. Uh, you know, it felt like Tennessee was the tougher team last night. And look, Texas is more of a finesse team. So that's why you'd favor a team like Tennessee. Maybe we see on the road what kind of situation that would be. But Tennessee's 18 and three and turning away Texas, who was still 17 and four, mind you, uh, I thought was really impressive. I thought it was very impressive. But still, I'm not th- I'm not going to say I'm lower on Texas. Like, I don't think this Texas Nash championship team, I think the inside presence is something that we could definitely discuss is lacking for them. But Rodney Terry, that team's got confidence. It never felt like they were fully out of the game last night. Never felt like they were fully out of the game. So I think he deserves some credit for that. Um, All right, quick word from our sponsors before we keep going on the games. We have some big injury news from one of the 4 o'clock games. That's coming up here in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you all by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment matter more with the FanDuel Sportsbook guys. They've got uh, same game parlays. They've got, you can do teasers, which is you take one line and another line and you can, you know, shift those lines together. Uh, let's see what else do we have over the FanDuel Sportsbook. They've got obviously player props, things like that. That is where I get my lines from every single week. If you guys want to tail my picks right now, Big 12 Hoops, we had a four and two week. We are uh, 14, four and one against the spread on the year. FanDuel is a place where I am placing my action. It can be the same for you all today. Uh, FanDuel.com slash locked on. You place a $5 bet if you are new to the app. And then you guys get $150 in free bets. That's right. Just a $5 bet for new customers gets you $150 in uh, in free bets. Over there at FanDuel, make every moment matter more with FanDuel Sports Book. All right. So uh, I think significant news. I, I We have not heard, as you all are seeing this right now, or as, as I'm recording this, maybe when you guys see this, it's different. Not heard any news on Mike Miles. That is big. They did not have Eddie Lampkin. Mike Miles gets hurt in the game, and they lose. Now, they took Mississippi State to overtime, but it was kind of a reminder that 
look, they had a tough time. I think the kid's name's Jones, the inside. I haven't watched much Mississippi State this year. Uh, they had a tough time on the interior. They just could not really stop the offensive rebounding charge and just a general rebounding charge that Mississippi State put on them. 12 offensive boards for Mississippi State in total. Uh, they were able to be plus nine in that category. So while TCU got really good efforts from Damian Baugh, and I thought Emmanuel Miller was really good, obviously Chuck O'Bannon stepping up, Wells again had a nice game off the bench. It's really important for them because like, if they go up against a team with a big, they need a guy like Eddie Lampkin. Um, if they're going to go smaller at times, which you can do to attack big teams, they need the ultimate shot creator and bad shot maker in Mike Miles Jr. I will once again give them a ton of credit for on the road fighting back. They could have rolled over a little bit. This team did not do it. They didn't shoot the ball well from three or from inside the arc. They didn't take care of the ball very, uh, you know, I thought the best at, at times. They fouled a ton. Um, and so credit Mississippi State for getting the job done and kind of toughing this victory out because Mississippi State, they needed it. But the 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 big difference of this game was uh, Tulu Smith, uh, Tulu Smith, the, the big guy, he had, um, he had, it was 11 for 13, 27 and 13, five assists too for him. So it kind of shows you the interior presence of Tolu Smith being big for Mississippi State, who almost beat Bam the other night and they get a big win against TCU. Hopefully it's, I think it's a strain is what Jeff Goodman said or hyperextension for Mike Miles with the leg injury. Let's hope that it's not anything more than that. He is a great player. Uh, I have talked at length about how good I think TCU can be this year. So um, let's hope they get him back. But that's why I wanted to go that direction just to kind of get that piece of news because TCU, look, if, if you're going to be injured now is the time, right? February, but that is a good and deep team when they've got everyone available. I think you actually saw some of their depth yesterday because the guys had to come in and make things happen for them. So just wanted to note that uh, in that loss. The Big 12, uh, SEC Big 12 challenge was secured uh, by a Kansas State win, but not before Baylor toughed one out against Arkansas. Look, Baylor, 67-64 final in this game. Uh, Arkansas had a chance late. Ricky Council was a fantastic player, 25 points for them yesterday. But Keontae George got back to his professional scoring, 8 for 20, 2 of 5 from deep, 6-6 six, six from the line, 24 points on the evening, 2 of 3 assists and 3 rebounds. You also get LJ Cryer going for 20 on a night where Adam Flagler was downright awful. So here is my, my Baylor thought. I don't know if JTT Jonathan Chamachach was coming back. I think I, I think this team is roughly at its ceiling. Now the good news for them is they're 16 and five and they're on a run right now where they have won one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row. They have won on a, on a run right now where it's at Texas Tech, at OU, Kansas, Arkansas. Now they play at Texas uh, on Monday night. So I'm trying to think about how to really put this like correctly. So their best attribute is the fact that they've got a bunch of different guys that could hurt you. If Flagler goes for 20, you're not surprised. If Cryer goes for 20, you're not surprised. If Keontae George goes for 20, you're not surprised. Jalen Bridges chips in 15, or we get, you know, Langston Love playing really well, who's obviously a very high recruit and very talented player. You're not surprised. The problem for them is they can go on scoring droughts, and they also give up big runs. So while they go on runs, they also give up big runs. I think the one area where I'm saying, you know, I'm they keep beating really good teams, I'm not overly worried, is they've got Scott Drews. Like, maybe they'll shore some things up, but that team, to me, 
looks like a Sweet 16 Elite Eight team. I'm not positive that they're a Final Four team. Look, Keontae George is the most talented player that if you, I think maybe even if you factor in the Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Maceo Teague team, if you put all the guards together, so let's just say Teague, Butler, Cryer, George, uh, Flagler, um, Love, all those guys together, Keontae George is the most talented. But what you do have to say about that one group that was Teague, Butler, and Mitchell they were all old by the end of that they are older by the end of that run that they had together. Right. So these are veteran talented, good players and not as talented as Keontae, but good veterans who are talented players who know how to play with each other and can score. I think this group's had a lot of work together. They, they've played very, very well. Obviously they're hitting their stride. I'm wondering what's what that looks like. And because, you know, it's so funny, I guess my brain is just not, not wired properly because I'm thinking like, can they win a national championship? But guys, like that's what the teams in this league do. Tech competed for one. Kansas won one or Baylor won one first. Then KU won one. K-State's a top 10 basketball team right now. TCU looks like, I mean, they could just be uh, violent in transition at, you know, at what they did to KU. My God, at Allen Fieldhouse, nobody does that. We have an elite defensive team in Iowa State. We've got a team, and I mentioned already K-State before, but like you know, all of these teams that we're talking about right now, Texas too, right? 17 and four on the year. And they've got talented scorers in Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter. And so I guess that's, it's difficult to think about these teams, like not in context of could they win a championship, especially in a place like Baylor, where we already saw one of their teams just do that two years ago. So I don't want to diminish them at all. I don't want to demean them, but KU got back in that game and really should not have. And they, I think they were pretty confident they could. Now Baylor finished them off. Good job to them. Right. Arkansas had a chance late in that game. They really, it really felt like they should not have had a chance, but Baylor let them back in. Come tournament time, come Sweet 16, somebody will finish them off. Um, I'm not sure who, and look, once again, they're beating high caliber teams right now. But you put on the neutral floor, they're not at the Farrell Center. Somebody's going to do the job against Baylor if they keep going like this. So I think for me, the big thing is stay good on defense, improve on, it's not as good a defensive team as, as, as they've had in the past. Um, and then for them on offense, they've got to be careful about stagnation towards the end of games. I, I, this is a good win. I think Arkansas is a good team. I know they've had a bunch of issues and the, you know, losing Nick Smith that, that we hear and they're going to get back is great. And then Trayvon Brazil for the year is tough. Cause he is a freak of an athlete and really good player. So I think, you know, that's a good win. It's a quality win, but like they almost got got, they almost got got in this game and Baylor's on a six game winning streak. And they're now very, very dangerous. But do I feel like there's still something left in the tank for them? Yes. Maybe it's getting JTT back and they they start having more success in pick and roll situations and getting guys moving towards the rim because like how afraid of you are the guys rolling right now on that team? How afraid of Bridges and Flo Thamba uh, you know, are you right now from, from this team? I'm not sure if you are. You know, if you add a guy, obviously like Chama Chachua back, that adds a whole different element to this and look i think like caleb loner that's a guy too that that you know is decent role but like these guys are not massive threats if you put them in pick and roll they run that dribble handoff thing and they like to kind of switch things up and get the matchup and see what they you know they run it three times and then they'll attack whatever it works they're on fire right now they definitely a talented team look if all these guys just go dummy and can't stop scoring like then it's a different conversation but i don't know if that's gonna be the case flagler one for 11 last night offense really stagnated against ku all of this stuff is something to watch, I think, moving forward. 
All right, let's hit K-State really fast here. K-State blows out Florida in the first half, lets them back in the second half, and then finishes the job there uh, really in the second half after that run was over. They end up winning 64-50. to uh, You know, Florida's a slow-starting team. It's not a great offensive team. They're around the bubble. K-State still just trying to – still trying to find like that top gear wire to wire. It's tough to do. It's college basketball. So like teams will make runs on you, but this was an offensive night where it started well. It did not end particularly well for them. Uh, and their defense was really what got the job done for them. That first half they only allowed 16 points, right? They, uh, you know, I mean, they allowed 16 in the first half in the first five minutes of the game, the second half, uh, Florida scored 12 or first three minutes. I think it was, they scored 12. So K-State cools off in the second half, but really, I mean, when you're up 21 at halftime, like it's going to have to be a massive run. So good for them getting their stinker out of the way. They clinched. They got the job done. This was not K-State's best performance, but they're 12-0 and at home. Why does it matter, right? Why does it really, really matter? And also, they did, a, I thought, a very, very good job with, uh, you know, with Colin Castle. They did not just go crazy off. 13-8 and eight in this game, 6-12 on the floor. So it's an efficient night, uh, somewhat most standards. But, like, sometimes guys like that, and I'll see what Castleton shooting on the season. So he's around 50%. So he's actually right there at the season average. But guys like that can have big nights, and I thought they did a good job um, sometimes. He was pretty good in the interior. This is not a great night for Keontae Johnson scoring-wise. It still has 13-11, and 11, um, 5 or 16 from the floor, right? Marquise Noel, 4 for 9 is a decent night, 2-4 from deep. They were not uh, awesome from three-point uh, three land. 4 for 17 was – was K State, but still, you'll take the win, right? And any night where you, sh- any night where you shoot forty or thirty-eight percent from the floor, twenty-four percent from three, and sixty-seven percent from the line, and you win by fourteen, you will take it. And that means your defense was fantastic, and theirs was. Besides that small run to open things up, second half didn't feel like Florida was really ever much of a threat to win this basketball game. So K State, they were the ones who kind of sealed. I think they sealed the challenge. For the, uh, actually, Oklahoma State might have been, but uh, that later session went really, really well. Obviously, Baylor gets the win and Mississippi State gets the loss, but then you get KU winning, you get K State winning, and then you get Oklahoma State winning. And that's where we'll end this show really fast. Oklahoma State, just, you know, it's sad that they didn't get a better opportunity against a good team at home. That's how this thing works. They blew the doors off Ole Miss. They win by 22, 82 to 60. That team, not sure if they quit on Kermit Davis. Um, just yet, but it's getting awfully dangerously close. 53% from the floor for Oklahoma State, 35% from three, 22 of 25 from the line. They overcame a bad, uh, you know, a lot of turnovers, 13 turnovers in this game. And that's like a, a terrible, massive amount. Um, all right. Some closing thoughts here because we have to go watch some football. So, what does winning the SEC Big 12 challenge mean? I mean, the matchups are weird. So, I'm not going to say it means anything in particular, anything super serious. I love getting the win, but it just reaffirms something that we already knew. We already knew that the Big 12 was the best basketball conference in the country. It's pretty much just, it's a fact. Like even after the Big 12 lost the Big 12 SEC challenge last year, um, we we knew that. I think it's more of an individual case-by-case basis. Like uh, I'm not worried about Texas after the Tennessee loss, right? I love the heart that we show, that we saw from Bill Self's team. This is not a team that has any interest in setting a new um, bar for Bill Self with the four straight losses. K-State allowing 50 points at home, even though they didn't shoot the ball well at all and getting a win, was massive. Oklahoma State, the worst team in this league, hammering a bottom tier, uh, bottom team in the SEC, shows you where Oklahoma State is right now. Oklahoma, I'm, I'm kind of forgetting the early games. 
pummeling Alabama shows you how good of a coach that Porter Mosier can be and how the talent level on that team, while it's low, they still have plenty of potential to get stuff done. Iowa State, I think the weaknesses they showed, right? The fact that, okay, on the road, we got a little bit sped up and we turn the ball over a bunch. That's a massive factor for them as well. Uh, you know, can that be repeated maybe by another team in this league? Okay, you couldn't do it. Missouri did it. Is, is Iowa State going to be a team that's just home in the road? West Virginia has now put themselves together on a nice run where they're collecting wins that are going to assist them on a tournament resume. They've beaten TCU at home. They have beaten at, uh, Texas Tech at Texas Tech, which is a nice win. And they then beat Auburn yesterday at home. It's top 30 team in the net in Ken Pong. And so what does that mean for them? A quad one win, and it helps build that resume for them. So maybe as a whole, I mean, look, this is the best basketball league in the country. We knew that. But maybe you look at the individual results, talking about affirmations or maybe some questions. I think that's where this is really interesting. Once again, the Big 12 shows their supremacy. I want to thank LinkedIn for sponsoring today's show. I want to thank the FanDuel Sportsbook as well for sponsoring today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. So next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.